Okay. Yeah, so we'll get started. Um, so yeah, welcome to the Celestial Galactics Upgrade uh, 01, or first one. And uh wanted to thank uh, Kathy and uh, Bob and everyone here at Civil System, uh, Renee. Uh, Julie, that was Katie. It's still great to be back. Uh, so, this is the first event for um, actually, we're here for a week uh, doing a number of um, classes, and, and uh, there's another one associated with this, which I'll, I'll talk about at the end. But uh, so, we have people online and also offline or in person. And uh, I think we've been coming since the uh, Maybe now it's a little over 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. yeah, so that's been great. Uh, yeah, I feel a little bit like an explorer this time because I'm kind of coming back to share uh, sort of like an expedition in Crestone. And uh, some people here online probably have um, uh, maybe even were there or were there online. And uh, I don't think anyone here was actually there. So that would be nice to share that. And I'm just going to say one thing to the people online. If there's um, any problems with the uh, online, you can either just, you can actually just uh, unmute yourself and speak, just because I, I won't be always looking at the um, the Zoom uh, platform. So I try to look at this, this beautiful camera we have here, the owl that makes it more immersive. Okay. Yeah. So um, why don't we just uh, uh, get right into the um, program? Uh, I had made some notes. Um, people online, I think, got those if you didn't uh, through the same way you got the Zoom. And then uh, Bob so nicely printed it out in time for people here. Uh, this is a summary of some of the things that we're going to talk about. So it may be useful to come back to it. Uh, but a little bit about uh, what this program is uh, based on. So a number of people may have connected to galactic beings. We've done other programs here. And I was kind of recalling, we did do a contact event here uh, at Circles, maybe in, I forgot when, maybe it was over seven years ago, and uh, where we actually went outside. I think we and uh, kind of uh, went to go see like um, what would show up in the night sky. So there's a little bit of precedence. And the reason I bring that up is when you make these sort of uh, events where you actually do contact, we'll kind of be doing something indoors and people you know where they are um, all around the globe are coming in online. But if you do something where, uh, and that has that contact experience, but in a sense, um, we're, we won't be necessarily trying to look up at the night sky like during the event. You, you may want to uh, go outside later on and uh, things may appear. But um, usually when you do that, you create a resonance and it can, and, and in time, it doesn't matter when. So it could be like a decade ago and we were talking like in 2007 or whenever you may have had an experience. It's sort of, um, because uh, in their dimension, uh, space-time is, uh, they don't really have space-time. It's really like uh, all unified. In fact, from a spiritual perspective, this was from Rudolf Steiner, uh, time is actually spatial in that dimension. So like something that occurs in 2023 versus 2007 to someone in the spirit world, it just looks like uh, an object here and an object over here. So they see everything simultaneously. So, and I'm sure we see that in our own um, consciousness when we're in those dimensions. But anyways, um, so I just linking back to that time that we did something here, because in some ways it's all interrelated. The downloads are occurring and they, even though in time, linear time, they're separated, uh, they're actually uh, linked up in, in, a, in a unity consciousness. 
And you'll see that in some of the synchronicities that may occur from this event or previously, or maybe why you're called to this event and then in the future. Uh, so some of the other kind of events that are linked to this one that are coming up soon are, uh, well, we have these trainings here on the grail tradition, and I'll, I'll show you just exactly through the notes how, without planning it, it's very synchronistic, some of the topics that are coming down for that class. And then in the near future, we, we're going to Mount Shasta in a very similar event to Crestone. And so uh, some of the downloads here link up to that near future event uh, because uh, Mount Shasta is also a portal for interdimensional contact. And then some people I know um, uh, have been to Mount Shasta before. So if you've been to Mount Shasta or had, again, a contact event, it'll link back to the past too. Okay, uh, so so the event that um, I'm sort of sharing here kind of is this like Arctic Explorer, and there are other people here who are part of that, uh, was at Crestone, Colorado. And I was kind of asking, has anyone been to Crestone here? Okay, maybe online if you wanted to, you could just jot down. If you were there at the event, I, I see Sid, she was there. Um, if you were there at the event, you can put in the chat that you're there, or if you've ever been to Crestone. So, so let me lay a little context for Crestone. So it's in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. And anytime you kind of have a mountain range, like any place is sacred, you know, like uh, here we are in, uh, in a sacred place. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with the consciousness we bring. And then there's always consciousness here uh, that uh, you kind of connect with. So, uh, but some places are considered like a little bit stronger, maybe because of the, the nature around there or the ley lines. And so a lot of places where you can see particularly galactic uh, uh, connections, which is a little bit the theme we're focused here, uh, usually is in some of these powerful spots, uh, but it doesn't have to only be like that. I'll just say that aside, like some of the most amazing contact experiences uh, that I've had or been invited to were like in a, in a neighborhood, like in just suburbs. So, um, so it really has to do with the consciousness of, of the connection there. But uh, Crestone is known for like a number of spiritual centers. Uh, so um, a, a couple actually from Canada uh, was given a land grant there. And then instead of doing something with it privately, they gave um, basically uh, whoever like applied uh, sort of land to hold a retreat center. So now there's over maybe 30 spiritual centers uh, there, mostly retreat centers of all kind of uh, denominations and lineages. And there's a number of Buddhist and Buddhist centers um, only because the, that mountain range is very similar to the Himalayan mountain range in Tibet. Uh, and uh, the retreat was held at the Crestone Mountain Zen Center. So anyone who they rent out their spaces in case you ever felt like going to Crestone, uh, kind of in a retreat setting, uh, that's a great way to go. And uh, we have been there before, uh, like uh, where I had uh, done three other retreats there before. And, uh, but most of them were done like, um, the other way you can do is you can rent an Airbnb. And so, uh, unless you kind of have a, a kind of a resonance to one of the lineages, which is great, then you kind of are in that kind of spiritual domain, or you go there kind of more independently and you either rent an Airbnb. And what I liked about the Crestone Mountain Zen Center is they sort of rented out their uh, retreat space kind of to uh, groups who aren't necessarily in the Zen tradition. Uh, 
So that's where it was held. And then the only other thing that was kind of unexpected, and before we get into the galactic piece, was uh, I was kind of a little bit forewarned that there is a mosquito season <laughs> that may or may not happen around the time we we're going. And um, it definitely uh, happened this time for people who were <laughs> there. It was a very interesting uh, to have our friends, the mosquitoes there. And we're talking like, thick uh, mosquito clouds around you. So, so we were um, sort of under the night sky, like, like I looked like I was like in the Arctic. But that was only to create a covering for me uh, and for myself and other people had other ways to uh, work with that. So, so that was a very interesting aspect of it. So the, the thing about Crestone is um, it is a place if you want to go do contact, uh, like galactic contact, to like see things, it definitely is a place that already a lot of people have gone to. So um, some of the people I just mentioned, like Stephen Greer, who's well known in the ET contact um, kind of community. And I did a number of trainings with him, not at that site, um, at Mount Shasta and Joshua Tree. So these are other places, uh, has gone to Crestone. Uh, uh, Ricardo Gonzalez, some people might know him. He uh, connects with the Apunians. He calls them the Apunians, similar to Apus, uh, the kind of um, uh, the mountain spirits in Peru. So he's made a connection there. And so it's all about this idea of resonance. So these places, once you've gone there or people have gone there and made contact, you sort of uh, will continue to make contact there, sort of like it's like a meeting site. And um, I'll kind of um, describe what happened there. And this is another way to make contact. So one of the themes tonight is to leave people here who want to make contact. And I've talked to some people already who've already uh, made contact in this way, galactically, or you could call it celestially or with nature spirits. Uh, once you have made that and had an experience, the way you can kind of connect again to those beings or to almost like transfer that to other people so that they can make a connection. Or if you're in a group and you wanted to almost like um, call on your cell phone, those same uh, metaphorically beings is you think of the time you actually had an experience and you just describe it. And uh, this was taught to me by someone at one of Stephen Gurry's trainings. And when you're describing it, you actually are reconnecting consciously to those beings. And it's almost through resonance uh, they're coming in at that time. Uh, whether you can perceive them physically or not, you know, that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg, but spiritually or uh, inter interdimensionally, they're there. And then people who are listening, they're also now in that consciousness world. So, so that's why this beginning portion, which is kind of part of the transmission, is really just what happened. Those uh, we were outside for five nights, and then we'll kind of move more into the actual transmission. And then we'll kind of end with the more uh, like the meditation that we did. We'll actually do that here so we can kind of reconnect. And also for people who want to do this on their own, they'll kind of have had the experience. And then it doesn't really matter where you are uh, on the planet, uh, even maybe off the planet, you know, in the spiritual world, you can do the same type of meditation. So it's sort of like leaving a lot of techniques so you can kind of empower yourself to do, do this on your own if you want. Uh, so, yeah, so I made the notes. I don't know if people have those notes or uh, online, but um, there was a, a review. I kind of uh, put down like a little bit of a review on what happened those five nights. And that this is like for people who were there is a fraction of what happened, but were just the highlights. And even like this was done maybe three or four weeks ago. 
um, like a lot of this is forgotten and you know like in terms of the memory and so I'm glad it was written down because you're already in an altered state of consciousness and so then when you come back even though it might seem like we might already start to be shifting into an altered state of consciousness. It seems so clear and, uh, oh, and, it, and then it's so significant. Like you've never seen something like that happen in your life kind of event. And then you're like, oh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> but then you come back to normal consciousness, you know, you do normal things. And so then you may forget that. So, so this is um, something I just make a suggestion. If you do have one of the, like those significant experiences or have had one uh, to, to write it down, if you can, like within the next 24 hours, um, and Stephen Greer even, uh, he, was, he had a very um, strong protocol around it. Uh, someone is like designated the secretary. Like they actually in real time is writing down everything that's happening uh, because of this kind of um, very significant things are happening, but they're interdimensionally. And then much like in hypnosis, you uh, will be in another state and then kind of state dependent memory, you kind of won't remember it. But um, so I probably won't go through every single uh, piece here. That's it's under the Crestone Contact Evening Review. Uh, but in particular, um, so we did this uh, kind of the protocol is what we're going to do at the end of this session is do what I call this contact uh, pillar meditation, and uh, we actually will be uh, making a connection. Uh, you can invite any beings that you're already working with. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're galactic or celestial or they're, um, you know, ascended masters, uh, the divine uh, or nature spirits. And then we will particularly ask for, I've just given it the label celestial galactics. They were a very specific uh, galactic beings who kind of were holding that retreat. And there were a number of signs that, yeah, like, they, they were very specific to that. And so they're the ones who are kind of running the transmissions if you feel connection to them. If not, then, you, then, then your guides will be the ones kind of doing what I'm saying in the transmission. And then, um, so we did this meditation uh, before we went out uh, to the contact site, which was also in the Crestone Mountain Zen Center. And uh, this was the first time that I actually did it this way, is that uh, like an indoor place like this, we would do this pillar meditation, which is basically imagining like there's a pillar in the middle of the room and you just bring your consciousness up and it acts like a astral antenna. And so from there, you can send out like an intention that you'd like to connect to whichever spiritual beings that you feel connected to. And then they kind of see that astral light and then it's intensified by all the people's consciousness who's kind of powering it up. And then they can kind of follow that light to your physical location. So, uh, so in the past, we didn't always do that formal meditation beforehand. So I think that made a difference uh, this time. So on five consecutive nights, we would do that. And uh, the reason we also did that was probably because of the mosquitoes, because it would have been harder to do that outside with, uh, in terms of paying attention, because uh, you know, all just the physical um, uh, kind of maybe discomfort of doing that. So, so that was a, probably a key point in the protocol. And then on one particular night, which I'll just point out here, which was the contact evening four, uh, in, that in that meditation, we specifically asked that the, if the galactic beings, uh, because there's many different beings can show up and people have varying levels of clairvoyance and, and kind of mediumship. So people are, are kind of connecting to different beings. 
but we specifically asked for the beings who are holding that retreat to show up. And then what happened was uh, just for people who maybe who are new to this experience, um, the most significant ones, at least uh, to me right now, is uh, you'll be outside and you're looking up at the night sky and uh, all of them are significant, but um, you always have to consider like, is this a human made phenomenon? You know, kind of from that rational or scientific point of view. So uh, is that it'll be completely dark. And then at the level of the star, star level, so that's, that's how far you're looking, uh, you'll see basically like a star, like while it's dark, and then it'll like basically light up, not only just to a star level, but almost like brighter than that, about 10 times brighter. And then it'll come back down uh, to complete darkness. So that's kind of more difficult to do, like from a human point of view, whether it's a satellite, because satellites are always moving constantly across the night sky, or or some other type of like ship, um, like human um, uh, aircraft type of uh, phenomena. Because there there is much more out there at, at night, um, just because of our satellites and so forth. And there is a very uh, beautiful phenomena, <laughs> uh, thanks to Elon Musk, that I we've seen um, now for the last couple of times. It's like a, a train of satellites, and it looks phenomenal. <laughs> so you don't know, but uh, you know, uh, MSNBC will have it the next day. So uh, also, but uh, but it looks like a train of like looks like power ups, but it, it's actually a train of satellites that I think is going around every so often. Um, so anyway, so you have to take those into account. But these kind of power ups are very uh, kind of more difficult to explain. And different ET contact groups have kind of identified that as, as a sort of a, what's happening is these beings are shifting from what we might call an astral etheric level uh, into the physical very briefly in the form of light. So it's like a light that you can see with your eyes, it might not necessarily have to be clairvoyant, and then it comes back down into the, the other dimension. So, uh, so on that contact evening four, the interesting thing just to describe that besides the other ones that maybe we can either go over or you can read, uh, was that uh, meditation, we specifically asked that if the galactic beings who are kind of holding that retreat could show up, that they may show up that night. And uh, for the most part, we didn't have many power-ups that night. We had a lot of what are called movers, which are, are, are phenomenal to see. And then we also had these night vision goggles that could kind of uh, track them. And so the night vision goggles probably magnify the light about a thousand times. So you can see a lot of things that you can't see with your naked eye with those. Uh, they're kind of like um, military grade generation three night vision goggles. So if anyone's interested in any of this equipment, uh, that I can send you all that information. Or maybe I'll just I'll, I'll put that in the um, notes so people can have that. Uh, but pretty much we are seeing that and not so much these power-ups. So that's the thing, there's kind of a rhythm. It's almost like a symphony when you're out there. And many people have had that in their like uh, meditation groups that they're working with beings. They kind of, there's like a, um, an increase in activity and at least outer activity and then a decrease, but actually it's all going internal now. And then it looks like an increase in outer activity. But uh, so we were like, okay, that, that's good. And, you know, it's fun. There's always a, a kind of a joyous feeling. So we were all like, okay, let's go. Like we already did something for the whole day. So we we're like, okay, we're going to go. It's about 11 p.m. <laughs> and just when we're all about to go, then these three power-ups that I described show up. And, and, and you kind of, describing it kind of loses just a little bit of the experience because you kind of have to be there and the whole sort of temporal thing. But uh, it was almost like very synchronistic that those three power-ups, which are kind of more undeniable, 
occurred for the whole group right when we're leaving. So for me, and, and I've had all these different, maybe I've had some of these experiences in other places, the message was like, um, they're always present. Like they're probably present here, we're already kind of energetically here beforehand, just people maybe who are sensitive. But um, the physical phenomena and they're monitoring, the other thing is that they're monitoring what's going on. If kind of the implication is that they're not disconnected from what's going on in the group. Because to have it happen right when we left was uh, kind of more sort of, uh, there was sort of a tune in. And there has been that uh, perception from Stephen Greer that they actually, he caught it on film. So what would he do, similar to that owl camera there, he'll put one, like let's say we're outside and doing the contact, he'll just put one on infrared and just have it filmed the entire time for like three or four hours. And what he caught, and I used to show it in different uh, kind of orb uh, presentations, is this, uh, it looks like a spiral uh, light going into the middle of the circle. It's like a big tube. It's about the size of, it's almost like the size of myself, but it's, uh, it's shooting in. But in order to capture that one photo, it was like 1 60th of a second. But once he caught that photo, it's very pr prominent. Uh, and what he had perceived is that it's basically like an astral antenna that the, the beings from who are like on, in this astral space very far above, they send it into the circle and it kind of helps to monitor what's going on in the circle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whether, you know, it, there's some at least proof there with the photo, but uh, that definitely was kind of the experience here on that fourth night. And so, so uh, once you have that phenomena, so a lot of this kind of um, transmissions are now, okay, they were there, they kind of gave a very strong message. And then using other consciousness techniques, like some people use, maybe it's meditation. I tend to use shamanic journey. Then you can, you have a reference point to who you're speaking to or who you're connecting to. So that's why I wanted to bring that one up because that was probably the most uh, strong kind of, we're asking if you can. And the, the way you do it is you just ask if you can show up because there's some things, um, there's some reasons they won't show up that are just even very practical because um, all of these, uh, uh, when they blip into the physical, they show up on military radar. <laughs> so in some ways, and Stephen Greer would talk about this more, that there's only so much time they can be safely in the physical before they're very much identified and then they go back. So if you do any kind of New York Times search um, and like prominent magazines and so forth, you'll start to see that the Navy and the military is releasing a lot more of their evidence. And uh, someone just showed me maybe three days ago, because I knew I was getting ready for this, that they even had a title that like um, Navy um, pilots who are training are getting interfered with by UFOs. But it was like on MSNBC. So I'm not sure if that's a good source or not. But um, yeah, so they're becoming much more, I think, um, uh, either it's more popular as clickbait or it's a real phenomenon that, that more of the, mil I think the military has been, I think, very aware of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is, is it true that, that most of the ley lines and the crop circle, you know, stones and everything like that is owned by the military? Um, the ley, li oh, ley lines are owned by military. a lot of really powerful places, like even the war in Iraq was started because they wanted that temple. Mm -hmm. Are they actually tracking the power of these ley lines? They've been wanting to really own the property. Yeah. You know, uh, you have a good point there. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but. Um, uh, there is a suggestion that these very powerful spots, 
they are a lot you'll see a lot of military conflict over them you know like um like the holy lands in like israel and so forth that whole area has always had a lot of conflict but is also one of the most powerful places on the planet and i think this was a little bit through jj hertak who people know um, him was kind of also very much bringing through kind of the light and the sort of explanation is what happens is a lot of ascended uh souls will try to will uh, come through those portals uh, into that land because they'll have the environment where they can continue to develop very quickly. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's parents, but also the environment. So um, that uh, whole area in the Middle East is a, is a very powerful portal for ascended uh, souls to come through, as well as Tibet, which also has had a lot of uh, military issues too. So there are these very powerful places that uh, whether it's conscious or uh, unconscious or unconscious, um, political powers tend to want to have that land because uh, if you do understand the energetics, um, if you work with that powerful energy and then you do, let's say, a manifestation, for the lack of a better term, a manifestation ritual on top of those energy lines or put a power um, object on top of them, then your manifestation is that much more powerful. And so I'll just mention one other place similar to what um, you're mentioning is the Michael Mary line in England. It, I think it was very, probably was consciously known, but the monarchy like created in England created uh, during the time when England was basically uh, almost like uh, had ruling most of the world at the time, um, like their monarch seat and like certain churches and temples were all on these very powerful um, lines, which was the Michael Mary line, like even in Glastonbury, that particular chapel or church is on these uh, crossing of the line. So if you do a ritual from there, uh, it's, it's like a thousand times to maybe even a million times stronger than if you just um, weren't on that power line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people are interested, just to mention one more thing. Uh, there is a, I'll look up the book, but uh, this was from a Mason. Uh, maybe a 33rd degree mason he said that dc is esoterically created architecturally and if you go down to the monument you'll see there is uh, definitely a feel of uh, this wasn't created uh, ran of course architecturally it wasn't but there's some kind of energetic um, uh, connection to the land and uh, perhaps maybe that was to make it a very powerful uh, city mm -hmm. yeah Okay, uh, yeah, th thanks for bringing that up. And um, and then the only uh, last thing was, uh, yeah, and then we'll kind of get to the transmission is this um, contact evening five. So uh, there again, we saw these uh, very powerful um, power-ups and uh, very significant. And the only other thing was I put there at the end, um, one of the participants, uh, her name is Kelly Kay, she actually had the, these night vision goggles and, the, and what happened is that the whole group was seeing these power-ups, which are kind of very significant. And the other thing about those power-ups, and um, I think we were sharing your experience beforehand, is that they're, they're basically like downloads. So when, when you see one of those um, power-ups in the night sky, they're actually, and this was kind of taught to me by Stephen Greer, there are sort of these light packets that are coming into the groups, uh, into the group field. And they do transmit, transform your consciousness. They're like receiving maybe 10 or 20 or, or more transmissions uh, like within a, like a minute or within a couple seconds. And, um, 
But uh, so we saw a couple of those. But what happened was the, the uh, Kelly, who was on the uh, night vision goggle, she could see them. And even though they had powered down, they're actually uh, still visible by the night vision goggles. So it's actually still blinking, even though your um, naked eye can't see it. So it's actually still uh, present uh, there. And we had seen something like that in Sedona also. So like you'll see a power up, it goes uh, really bright at the star level and then goes to complete darkness. And then in the next uh, maybe 10 seconds, it'll power up uh, to somewhere else, like close by. And then it'll go away for like 20 seconds or 30, and then it'll power up again. And actually, uh, someone else in Sedona was like looking at it with the night vision goggles, and it's actually the same ship. This is that uh, with night vision, you can still see it uh, as a, a light source, but it's only powering up like in those like uh, strongly, so that someone with naked vision uh, can see that as a kind of a brightening. So it's actually the same ship powering up like three or four times. So, yeah. Okay. All right, so that I just wanted to share those contact experiences. Maybe some people have had those experiences, or uh, mostly that's a way that if you were interested, uh, maybe in the near future, uh, maybe with a group or by yourself, or even tonight when you're outside, you may see something uh, interesting, and it sort of brings you in resonance to that. And then that's the only other point maybe to bring up is uh, what I found is. Um, uh, if you um, if you're open to the experience, then it'll happen. Like if you don't really want that uh, to happen, then it won't happen. So sometimes there's like a little bit of fear, like uh, are they just going to intrude on me, like and then pull off my car, or like uh, you know maybe I uh, I was driving down the 405, and two hours later I'm uh, you know uh, 60 miles down the 405, and I remember. I mean there have been experiences the last time with this kind of phenomena, but uh, my my experience is that uh, these beings, particularly kind of in this awakened state, they're very much aware of our consciousness, much like I was kind of had a very practical experience of them being aware, like when we were ready to go. And, uh, but they're more aware even on a, like a deeper level. So let's say this is your first time doing um, like a contact experience, whether it's in person or online. Uh, what Stephen Greer had taught and what I found now, this was like 10 years ago when I took his training, is he said the very first night, they kind of will scan the group consciously they're kind of in this awakened state it's like almost like our clairvoyance to a high degree and uh, then they will adjust their how much they will um, appear physically to kind of like 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 a mean or maybe even to the person who's or people who are most scared because they don't want to really disrupt your your life so to speak. So let's say someone is there, they even could be saying like, I really want to see something, but if something really showed up, it would kind of just destabilize. It would be very destabilizing. It would kind of scare, scare them maybe. So then they're not going to try to do that. Like these beings, they'll kind of adjust and then they can be selective. Like, uh, like everyone's looking over here and then like Renee is looking over there and then she sees this huge sighting. <laughs> and, and that wasn't just by random. It was very purposeful or, the other thing is you can hear inner tones, like everyone here is talking. And then over here, like three people will hear this very strong inner tone. And so it can be very directed in that case. But um, this sort of scanning to kind of meet people where they are, they don't try to overwhelm you is, um, 
is sort of uh, what I found is, is kind of what happens with these contact experiences. So uh, wherever you are in terms of if you wanted to see something, if you're very open to that, you just sort of set that intention. You can set it during the meditation or the transmission. If you're happy just sort of maybe seeing them in your dreams or just kind of feeling them energetically, yeah, that's good. Then you can you can just make that intention. They won't try to kind of overwhelm overwhelm you. And uh, I think uh, I think it might have been Dolores Cannon's work. Uh, you know, she is a regressionist. A lot of people here know her, and and I think all her books are here <laughs> in case you are interested. Um, and I have taken her training too, and a number of people here are experts in that training. Uh, but um, so she has made a lot of galactic contact, particularly through the people she regressed. And she talks about them and has written about them. But what she said was a lot of people have had contact experiences at, that they don't remember because if they fully had it and then remembered it, it would destabilize their life. Like it would be like, like too, too much of a change. And I think uh, the galactic beings are very much aware of that. And I think the best metaphor, I don't know if they were giving this to me or I'm just making this up or <laughs> this is just where I am in my life. It's sort of like... Um, you have kids, you know them since they were a baby, and now they're like 15 or 16, and they're about to uh, drive. And so you're about to give them a, their keys to the car, and some of your kids, you're like, you're cool, you know, you know that for, for 15 years that they don't get overly excited, they don't go overly crazy, and you know they're just kind of steady. So they're like, okay, yeah, you're gonna have the car, and then some you're like, oh, okay, here we go, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. but you have to give it to them, right? Because uh, you know, because that's maybe our side, you know, we need to be able to move forward on that level. It's it's very similar, I think, in the sense that when you connect to these beings, I think this is my perception, they could. They could hit you with a lot of power, but then that's not necessarily a good thing because, um, like, if a lot of power comes into your life, it could, you know, it it could destabilize you. Like, like just like any big event in your life, um, you know, kind of helps you to uh, absorb that. Sometimes you go a little crazy in the beginning, or sometimes you get a little depressed in the beginning, but eventually you're like used to that, and then you're you can handle a little bit more, just like with the driving thing. So I think it's a little bit similar. Like they will. Uh, kind of deliver the amount of energy that would not would like your system can absorb. And for people who may have gone like maybe to Peru or to some sacred sites or England or and on a very spiritual or been on a retreat, you kind of have asked to be pushed to the very, you know, to where your limit is. So maybe you've experienced where you've received a lot, but you specifically asked, I wanted to be pushed because you wanted to accelerate your evolution or development. So they then the beings, they give you a little bit more and, and but you know you're going to be you'll you're ready for that. It's almost like you're ready for the boot camp experience. So so I think there there's a little bit of that uh, within the transmission. So they're they're kind of holding back and and also giving and, and aware of where we are. All right. Um, any questions up to there? Anything I wanted to ask? Uh, yeah, maybe we'll go now to this transmission. And, and the only thing I'll say here before we start it, this is kind of where um, you get to connect with your the divine, with the higher beings who you work with, but also with this celestial galactics. And then, like I put here in the notes, uh, that was just a term that, that seemed to fit them. So the name is not so important. At first, I would just didn't really have a name, so I called them the Crestone Galactics. But of course, I'm sure they're not limited to Crestone, since they probably are in some other dimensional space. So Celestial Galactics seem to resonate close enough. 
But um, the thing is that, and this has happened after some of these uh, spiritual uh, tours, is afterwards, when I've come back, and a lot of participants also have experienced this, it's like we're still doing the initiation tour in the dream world, in the astral world. So they did show up at the very, um, after I came back, back to California, and they seem to be doing like an upgrade on my system in this dream. And then at the very end, and I, I kind of written about this in the newsletter and here, they um, actually transmitted most of the energy codes through this point at the back of the head. And I had been aware of that. I hadn't been thinking about that at all, but I wanted to talk a little about a bit about that because it's very significant in the dream. And then afterwards, as I look, you know, try to find all these resources on it, um, it, it, it's a very kind of, it's an important point that's kind of maybe less, uh, it's not like one of your seven chakras that most people are talking about usually. And so some uh, people here may have worked with this or worked with this uh, kind of back uh, chakra. Uh, and um, the transmission will probably be going through that if you allow it. And kind of use that word like very precisely, uh, which I'll explain here. So if you want to find it where it is, is you have this um, protuberance, it's called the uh, orbital protuberance. It's sort of like that bump on the back of your head. So the acupuncture point, you just move down just a little bit below that. You could even ask for the point and energetically your higher self or will kind of find it. And if you're an acupuncturist or if you just wanted to know, I put some of this in the notes. It's actually called uh, Feng Fu or DU16. So um, acupuncture point. And uh, anyways, uh, it is a, a point that a number of people like uh, Barbara Hancloud, who I mentioned, and then I mentioned Mikio Sankey. Uh, it's a very important point for a number of things. And Barbara Hancloud was saying, and this was back in uh, her book 20, you know, on 2012, so it's a number of years ago, that um, this kind of, if you uh, put an image and you imagine something like, almost like visualization, back there, it actually transmits to all of your nine dimensions, which is kind of her system of kind of your, all your subtle bodies. And uh, so for whatever reason, uh, these galactic beings, the celestial galactics, uh, just use that. So it must be a very important point. Uh, you know, it could just be coming from deep in my subconscious, but it seemed much more um, significant uh, either way. It seemed like a very significant point to transmit energetic information to all your subtle bodies. And uh, we'll be doing something called the golden triangle during the transmission. And uh, this is kind of the first rewiring portion, like all these um, celestial galactic upgrades is somewhat changing our subtle body so we can hold more light. And this comes uh, you know, from this seed sort of experience uh, in the dream from the celestial galactics but then was more uh, expounded on by Mikio Sankey in his book called the Antikarana, Celestial Fullness, which is Esoteric Acupuncture, Volume 6. Anyways, um, just in brief, Mikio Sankey started this modality called Esoteric Acupuncture, which basically uses acupuncture points, but really not so much as their traditional points, although they can be, but more as um, activations and transmissions. So if you haven't heard of him, uh, or if you have, uh, it's very interesting material. Um, I'm sure if you just Googled Mikio Sankey, Esoteric Acupuncture, you'll find his website. And, and he's written now like six or seven of these books. So, uh, you know, very fascinating material. And the interesting thing is he went to Mount Shasta uh, before he wrote those books to connect with uh, the masters there through that portal 
specifically went to Mashiach to, to kind of receive the information. And at first, he wanted to write a nutrition book, <laughs> which is how it's called um, something like um, Circling the Mountain. Because uh, he didn't think people, this was now maybe 15 years ago, uh, would, would, no one would understand this esoteric acupuncture thing. That's what he thought. And the masters there said, no, you got to write the first book of esoteric acupuncture. And people who, who will get it will get it. Uh, and so he, I guess he, he trusted them and he did it. And, and I guess that was a benefit for all of us. But um, it's very similar to like if people have done the reconnection, like how the reconnection from Eric Pearl's work mm -hmm. is a transmission, you know, that like a DNA activation. So, um, so anyways, it's interesting that a lot of the material that I was able to um, intellectually understand why the celestial galactics came from Mikio Sankey's work. Uh, plus, of course, Barbara Hancloud, what she said there, and a number of the people that I mentioned there, but um, and that he was also collect, uh, you know, receiving this information from kind of celestial beings for his his work. Yeah. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda would call this our battery. Exactly. Yeah, and to charge it in the sun every day for ten minutes. Oh, that's great. That's do what the animals do. You know, you see them laying in the sun. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So uh, just uh, um, it may not. I don't know the owl has well caught it. <laughs> I would have to repeat your question. But uh, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> uh, but um, that's actually another. I didn't get time to put that quote in from Paramahansa. Yes, on that. Yeah, but I wanted to also. Um, I had found that too. Okay. It was one of those secrets you couldn't tell yet. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. <laughs> if people don't have the consciousness, it can blow their head off. Oh, secrets revealed. It's still at our head. Oh yeah. What was the name of the mountain you were talking about? Uh, Mount Shasta. Oh, Where's that? Uh, that's in California. It's like at the border of uh, the Oregon and California. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's also a nice. It's also a power spot to go visit if you get a chance. Yeah, Mount Shasta. Uh, kind of near a place called Weed, California, and um, where is else? And uh, yeah, it's sort of right at that border between Oregon and California. Okay, so the thing I wanted to mention is this golden triangle. So this comes from Mikio Sankey, but it, it um, so uh, in the transmission, we'll kind of be uh, activating this. So it's basically three points that you can kind of touch here, and, and some of them are probably very familiar. So this point, which is right uh, that they call uh, Mikio Sankey, just to say, also calls it the, uh, well, for people who do sort of this cranial sacral work, it's the Alta Major Center. But these chakras I wasn't as familiar with. He called it the Lalana Chakra and the Toluca Chakra, which I put in the notes, and the Talu Chakra. The only place I've ever seen those words are, are in, not Alta Major, but the, the Lalana was just through Mikio Sankey. So maybe it's a less well-known uh, named chakra, but I think a lot of people know about this backhead area. Anyways, so the triangle is from that point, and then you send the chi to this chakra is more well-known, of course, the ajna between your um, eyebrows. And then you send energy from these two points. Uh, basically, it's, um, it's called, uh, well, let's see here just so people, some people might be actually acupuncturists, DU20, which is actually your crown chakra point. Uh, it's, it's called the Tianmen in uh, Chinese medicine. But if the, sometimes I used to think of the crown chakra as like right at the center of your crown. But this one uh, in this diagram is maybe like an inch back. So it's maybe like, a, so you may just ask for this DU20 or Tianmen uh, point. Sometimes when you just ask your higher self, you'll kind of 
feel energetically where it is. It's like very skilled acupuncturists. They more feel the energy of the point than, you know, kind of look at the diagram. And so what you're doing is you're sending the energy up and you're making that, you know, that connection to that point. So it's like a, like a triangle inside your um, brain. And what it does is it actually opens up this, uh, they call it the antakarana or the pillar of light. So you can receive more soul energy. So you, I'm kind of giving you all these different pieces that I also had to piece together. Like why would the celestial galactics in that dream particularly use that back point? Because I don't really, I don't really, use, haven't really used that <laughs> in, in any other method, as most people probably know who've done like Arcturian work or intergalactics um, consciously. So it's like, okay, this is interesting why they would do that in the dream. So, and then realizing from Mikio Sankey's work, it's actually very important to open up the Antikrana. And this is the only part that I'll bring to the classes that we're holding here. So we're presenting a new level of this modality that I kind of started called the Grail, um, by force Grail. And it just happens that the third level, the new level, is on the Antikrana frequencies. <laughs> so, so this kind of just uh, dovetails uh, very uh, interestingly to that synchronistically, or or maybe the celestial galactics were kind of giving me a little extra help on that. <laughs> uh, maybe I needed a little extra help on that on that level. Okay, so that opens up this um, pillar here, and then you can receive more uh, of your soul energy. So that's really what um, opening up this uh, triangle does. So we'll be doing that in the transmission. And then what was very interesting, and I'll just share this because uh, it could be a technique and you can um, do this. I think it's helpful maybe for yourself, your family, um, and if you're a practitioner for others. Uh, so last year I went to New Zealand, like also kind of on a sacred site trip, and we were able to learn with some Maori healers. And this is like stuff I wasn't thinking of consciously, but we, uh, her name's uh, Mihi. I put her, uh, she's, she's a great healer. Uh, so if you're ever in New Zealand, um, let me see, it's at the very last page. Uh, her place is called Mihi's Place. Anyways, so interestingly, she was talking about like, um, so when you do this, um, uh, she, she did a type of Maori, almost similar to Lomi Lomi, which is more Kahuna, Hawaiian. Uh, and New Zealand, of course, Maori and uh, Hawaiian, um, Polynesian, there's a whole connection there. But she was saying, you know, her methodology, just to give you a little bit of a background, she just says, you just ask for a complete unconditional love. That's the only thing coming through. And then you just let it come through your hands. And it's very uh, intuitive. You sort of just move on the person's body. It's not very like, um, you know, left brain, like, okay, do here, then do here. But one of the things she added was, uh, after you ask only for unconditional love, you focus on the back of your head <laughs> and say uh, no negative thought forms or entities can enter. And it's through this back head. And, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Uh, this was a year ago. So, And then she said, and you ask for a guardian to protect uh, this, this location. So like kind of no negative thought forms and so forth. And like in, in the, in the uh, Maori uh, modern culture there, you know, there's, um, uh, there's also suppression and there's a lot of um, drug addiction and so forth. So she's seeing a lot of people who are affected, you know, in this way and from her own culture. So like where that has to be clear and protected. Now, what's interesting in the dream uh, was I was, uh, so I was getting worked on my celestial galactics and then they turned me over. And then before they started working, uh, specifically, they asked for permission to go to this back head my <laughs> chakra. It was very specific in the dream. And then, so I, so I must have had my guardian back there because they couldn't just like start working on it. They had to like specifically ask. So all you have to do, so that was just another synchronicity. So all you have to do 
is, you know, just you can do it right now if you haven't already done it ever. You just ask, um, oh, the other thing, uh, I was re-listening to that lecture from Mihi after this, and she says, don't ask for the assistant guardian. She asked, asked for the master guardian. I thought that was so hilarious. Like, like as if, like in the spirit world, you know, there's an assistant. Uh, I guess it's the same, right? Like, there, there's your trainers, and then there's like the master. She said, "Yes, you you deserve the best." She said, "She said so." Ask for the best version, the highest uh, level guardian uh, back there, and not even the celestial galactics will be able to penetrate kind of unless they have to ask you. <laughs> I'm playing around, but uh, yeah. So you can you can ask now if you want. Yeah, we don't have to do it formally but if you thought it was helpful and you can like maybe show this to others i'm sure it'd be very helpful uh just say like you know uh, whoever maybe it's mother mary or jesus or you know the buddha you just uh, ask them to be to protect your uh, back and minor chakra from uh from only good thoughts coming through okay yeah well why don't we uh, why don't we take a short break and then we'll start the, the transmission so um yeah, let's see. Gene, Gene, can I say something? I think some of the ancients, some of the ancients used to wear helmets for the back for protection. They used to wear some of the ancients. I think it's oh. for the past too. They can access the past, the past life there. They used to wear helmets. So in case they're in battle, someone they can access to the back and do a lot of damage. That's what I, I remember hearing that. Oh, that's great. And it's yeah. something to do with the past too, that point there, yeah, the past. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think there's probably even more uh probably more to be revealed about thanks thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, let's take a let's do a 10-minute break. So we'll come back at uh 32 after and then the transmission is about 50 minutes and you can lie down. So if you want to uh online or here you or you can do it you know just seated, uh you can get ready however you like to do that. Okay. Excuse me, Jean, you're muted. Thanks. Good oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so people will get this article. Uh, this was written by Sean S. Bjorn Pargins. And I, uh, people who were part of the Crestor Retreat, I sent this uh, out uh, to them, you know, um, to uh, prepare, I guess, for the retreat that they wanted to. But um, since we're, um, you know, more and more people are interested in multidimensional beings and realities. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, of course, authors and researchers out there. And I uh, just want to point to Sean because um, if you want a little more of a, I would say it kind of is filling the intellectual, mental um, aspect of it. So he actually came from what's called integral studies, which uh, people know Ken Wilber. Uh, he's this philosopher who sort of started that framework of looking at things from kind of a lot of different levels and uh and then sean himself i think he's a he's a dean at a california a school where actually you can actually get a phd now in kind of like uh consciousness studies but on ets <laughs> like uh multi-dimensional beings and so so it's very um you know it has a, a, a lot of uh uh, frameworks in this. It's about 42 pages uh, on multidimensional beings. And it's kind of where I got the term, maybe I use the term uh, celestials and galactics. 
So I'll just say one thing about this, and then if people are interested, they can uh, kind of uh, look at the article in different parts of it. But um, so he kind of, this multidimensional idea of beings, his framework is that he ba uh, basically separates them into three groups, which of course are uh, you know, arbitrary in some ways because they kind of all blend into each other. But he called the fairies more like spirits that are associated or a consciousness that's associated with one particular planet, like in, in, in our, uh, for most people here would be planet Earth. So you might think of nature spirits or um, uh, fairies themselves, the kind of formal fairies, you know, uh, like England and Ireland, but you know, all areas on the planet or elves, like when we went to Iceland, there's a connection to elves or trolls or dwarves. So that would be more kind of in the fairy realm. And then there's the uh, galactic realm, so that these are more beings that are associated with either multiple planets or multiple solar systems and so forth that are still kind of uh, linked to the physical world, but they may not be, of course, they might not be physically uh, have a physical vehicle. And then he called the celestials are not necessarily linked to a planet or a solar system or a galaxy. So they could be like ascended masters, they don't have to be associated or connected, they could be completely in like the astral, causal, spiritual realm. So um, so I just use the term celestial galactics here. They're, they're kind of more galactic beings, but there may be a celestial feel to them. So, uh, so that was his framework, but I just wanted to point this out. It may be um, useful to, uh, to people, or if you try to ever uh, talk about this, uh, to others who might not have had the experience so much, not so much intuitive uh, about it, or maybe more three-dimensional, it might be a good place for uh, them to start. And um, also he has quite an extensive bibliography in case people want to find different books. And it's quite comprehensive, like it goes over all the different topics in kind of the ET, UFO, and multidimensional field. There's a big, big question that comes up all the time yeah yeah so this kind of gives like you know like because a, a lot of um uh you know, a way to present your experiences is through language and so it gives like a um, framework so you can describe that that multiple ones so that people can kind of um, connect on different levels and also to see what's uh, the history so just to give you an example like um another power spot i mentioned was joshua tree so there's this place called the Integratron. Has anyone ever been to the Integratron? And you can check that out in case you're ever in Joshua. That's like more Southern California near Palm Springs in case like uh, your partner or family likes to golf. You can go golfing and you can go ET <laughs> Or I think there's even gambling down there. Yeah. No, I'm playing around. I'm not that best fun. I didn't experience anything. But um, uh, Integratron, it, you know, back in the 40s, uh, I have to think of the person he had uh, multiple sightings and he said multiple connections from people from uh, that he associated with Venus. They gave him the blueprints to build this Integratron that was supposedly rejuvenate your cells. This was back in the 40s. And now it, it's just uh, people hold sound baths there. Like I've been to it, it's pretty cool. But it was all based on their plans. And supposedly he, he had conferences out there, like 30,000 people. UFO conferences like in the 50s. So like it's kind of wow. like we, it's not like so we're not like reinventing the wheel or, or anything, but it's interesting to see the history, you know, like how, how it all kind of fits. Exactly. And now they have um, and anyways, who's interested, they have uh it's called Contact in the Desert. There's a currently a big uh, UFO conference there. 
pretty much like 50 or so, you know, big, um, or people kind of in the field usually come and, and talk. And, and there's a lot of people there, of course, to go see it. But that's another big power spot, Joshua Tree. Okay, well, we'll get started with the transmission. And, uh, you know, if this is new to you, it's kind of like receiving an energy session, but it's being held by these beings and, of course, the uh, celestial galactics. And every so often you'll hear me say, like, what phase we're in. You, you don't have to pay attention to that if you're deep in, in the, and you'll get a recording of this if you want to connect the energies. And uh, usually I'll try to point out maybe what's being worked on as a group. Now, if you had a very specific intention, it doesn't have to follow what, what's kind of the general framework. So if you already feel like, you know, I came here, I really wanted to work on something, or I feel like guided that this is what, you just make the intention in the beginning that that's what you'd like to have the energy work on. All right. 